Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Jamestown Public School Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker sat down with us to talk about the Capital Improvements Project vote that the district has coming up on Tuesday, December 12th. The Jamestown Public Schools District has a proposed $126 million capital improvements project that will come before voters on Tuesday, December 12th for a vote. We have in studio with us JPS School Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker to provide more insight on this proposed project. So welcome. Hey, thank you, Julia. Glad to be here. So first, I guess, I mean, I don't know if they call it the 10,000 square foot view. What, can you uh, give us an overview of what is what is this improvement sure, project? Sure, yeah, like the 30,000 foot view first, maybe. So um, at, at 30,000 feet, when I, when I first arrived here, we we're in the midst of COVID. So things were a little wild and we really were all focused on the uh, pandemic and trying to figure out how to educate kids in uh, a place where the governor kind of made the rules up each day at a press conference. So that was a, a challenging year. However, as soon as we, we got through that, I wanted to make sure that we put together a 10-year plan for facilities, upkeep, maintenance, and improvements. And uh, we focused really around the three main themes of keeping kids warm, safe, and dry. And so that 10-year plan was a 2021 to 2031, roughly, uh, 10-year span. And uh, we were very fortunate that the taxpayers approved the first third of that 10-year project in 2021. And moving forward, we have the second third, which we'll talk about today. And then in the future, we have the last third that will take place in that 27 through 31 time frame. So um, that's the that's the large overview. So what is already in progress is that first project of three. And we'll start seeing uh, quite a bit of focus at the high school over the next few years, um, especially one of the the real gems of that project that I that I love to see uh, come to come to fruition is the cafeteria the redoing of that cafeteria that anybody who's gone to Jamestown High School remembers the uh, kind of basement low ceiling very loud and echoey cafeteria we're going to change that into something that's a lot more pleasant for kids and uh, for staff so um, subsequent to that first one is phase two project two and that will be uh, what we're talking about today yeah and normally we we vote on these in may when we have the budget vote and anybody who's running for school board so what why now why why december for this vote yeah well two things really um and, and you're right absolutely may is when we normally vote on these but there are two things that have happened um related to the current state of our economy and construction kind of in general one people are used to which is supply chain issues um, ordering things that may used to have taken a month or two or five are now taking 12 15 18 months to come in so we wanted to get a start on uh, should the taxpayers approve this project 
getting a chance to start ordering materials right away and early so that we don't get hung up and get uh, the whole project paused. And the second thing is um, a version of the labor force concern. So we want to make sure that we get out and get bids as early as possible on these projects rather than waiting with everybody else uh, for competition amongst bidders. And there's a lot going on. This is a pretty significant project. So we are in direct competition with the new Bill Stadium and some other significant hospital projects in larger uh, cities in the in Western New York. So um, we, we, we wanted to make sure that we had the best chance of getting our contractors and our equipment should this go through. Right. And I didn't think about how projects that are not necessarily in Jamestown or Chautauqua County are affecting overall construction trades in the region. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been very challenging. And it's challenging for the contractors because they are trying to make sure that they have enough manpower to work the job and have employees. Um, but it's also challenging for the customer like us who is trying to get the best bid on uh, good work from a reputable company when they may be engaged in two, three, four other projects of similar size. Hmm. Now, you mentioned that there is work still going on right now for as part of phase one. I think that some of it I was seeing over the summer, at least when I was working, you know, working here downtown, is that the Tech Academy, there was work that was happening up there that was part of phase one. Uh, you mentioned high school, of course, and then we have Purcell Middle Schools had a large number of projects happening there, um, safety and security related. Yep. Yeah, we have the, um, the uh, secure vestibule. We had quite a bit of auditorium work, lighting and sound. Um, we also, of course, had Fletcher. Fletcher's had quite a lot of construction over there. And and a lot of this that, that we will talk about <clears throat> has to do with uh, HVAC and things, let's call it things inside the walls, so uh, or things that happen on the roof. So some of what we'll talk about is classroom related and some of it we'll talk about is uh, security related. But a lot of uh, what was needed are things like pumps and motors and compressors and piping and cabling and those sorts of things to make sure that our facilities remain functional for our kids into the future. And a lot of that was happening at, at Fletcher. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you can't see, but you definitely will feel in oh, a sense, sure. especially when it's when it comes to HVAC and feeling comfortable. Yeah, especially when it's very hot, you'll feel cool. And when it's very, very cold, you'll feel warm. And of course, there are some things that happen around outside new sidewalks and those sorts of things. But uh, a lot of and windows, a lot of things are happening inside the walls right now. Mm -hmm. In terms of the details, uh, I think this project touches just about almost every building that has students in it, as well as the bus garage, which all well, the buses do carry the students. So yeah. but Thinking about individual things, one of the things that stood out to me when I saw the presentation, uh, I think it was last month, um, or it could have been earlier. No, it was definitely in October. Uh, one of the things that will be renovated is the auditorium at Ring Elementary. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I guess we'll start with Ring. So what are some of the things happening at the at the, each of the schools? Yeah, there's quite a lot happening at the schools. So the overall mission of this 10-year project is to make sure that our kids are warm, safe, and dry still. This second phase, the second major project of the three, focuses on three areas. One is modern student spaces, so modernizing the spaces that students uh, live and learn in. And the second one is maintenance to protect our investment, kind of what I just described. And then the third one is enhanced safety, security, and technology. Now, you may remember that we had a long-running community feedback group 
Um, that committee, the Safety and Security Committee, met for a number of months, uh, February, March um, timeframe through um, the beginning of this year. So I don't know how many months that is, six, seven, eight months, uh, every other week, and uh, made a bunch of recommendations for safety and security. And those have been, many of those have been incorporated into this um, second major project as well. So it's modernizing student spaces, uh, essential maintenance to protect our investment, and enhance safety, security, and technology. So those are the, the three focus areas of this particular project. Now you'd mentioned the auditoriums. We have uh, auditorium uh, renovations at Ring and at Bush. So both of those schools will be getting um, auditorium upgrades. They uh, served us well, but if you've been in there recently, they are a little bit tired and a little bit dated, and it's time for some, some upgrades there. In terms of other student spaces, uh, kitchen infrastructure is getting upgraded in all of our elementary schools. The uh, gym will be um, renovated in Bush, and we're going to put in some new flooring and get that up to speed. The uh, uh, flooring will be worked on in Fletcher and at Lincoln, and also at the bus garage. We did quite a lot outside at the bus garage in this project. We're moving to address some things inside. We've got some bathroom renovations at Purcell again, Fletcher, Lincoln, bus garage as well. We have uh, outdoor track improvements at uh, Jefferson, and we're going to see what we can do about the uh, old tennis court at, uh, at Washington, try and turn that into a combination tennis court pickleball courts so that those can be used by our community. So in terms of the student spaces and PE spaces, there's, um, there's quite a lot happening there. And then into the, the maintenance of our investment. So we have windows going in at Ring. We've got uh, roof issues that we need to address at Purcell and at Lincoln. We've got uh, doors that need to be replaced. So there's quite a few door projects going on at uh, Ring and Lincoln and the bus garage. We have stairs that need to be fixed up at Ring as well. So those will be addressed. Heating and cooling, we talked about the HVAC stuff at Purcell and at Bush and at the bus garage. Um, Building systems, that's all those internal controls that happen. So building system upgrades at Purcell and Bush and Ring, also at Lincoln and the bus garage. And then we've got uh, parking lot upgrades, sidewalk upgrades, um, exterior stairs and ramps, um, all happening at a variety of schools, at Wash, at uh, Bush, at Ring, at Lincoln, Love, and the bus garage as well. So there's all sorts of um, upgrades and updates that need to happen. And then one thing I did want to make sure we talked about is the uh, retaining wall out behind the high school. Now there are some other retaining walls at, at Lincoln, at Love, and uh, around the bus garage where we, mostly where you see hills um, around the schools. So all those will be worked on, but we had a significant issue with the retaining wall out behind the high school that runs along the railroad tracks. And that is a wall that's some 100 years old or more. And we have been doing upkeep on that wall, but at a certain point, things begin to fail. So the challenge for us was to be able to address that retaining wall without taking away any space from that grass field practice area, rehearsal area, also from the tennis courts that are out behind the high school without doing any damage there and bring that wall back up 
to another 100 years worth of protection uh, without impacting what's called the MCA at the high school. And the MCA is this thing called the maximum cost allowance. And it limits how much you can spend, a uh, school district can spend at any site across a period of years. And that resets every so often. Every Each year there's something that falls off and each year there's something that comes on as we do new projects. But our MCA is being used as part of this uh, ongoing current first project and then some things will fall off. We'll be able to do some things in the second project then we'll be able to do some things in the third project which is why we had to do this 10-year plan. But we couldn't have a 10 or 12 or 15 million dollar problem with the retaining wall um, and have that take away from our ability to fix up classrooms or to work on HVAC systems or to repair um, uh, stairwells and, and pipes and, and all those sorts of things inside the building. So we were very fortunate in being able to lobby the state to uh, allow us a separate cost to fix that retaining wall that would not impact the high school. So that has enabled us, if we are able to pass this, uh, if our community comes out and supports us, it enables us to fix that retaining wall before things collapse onto that, um, that railroad track and do some damage. That's pretty major. Pretty significant. Yeah, we really do need to get that done, and we don't want it to impact our um, maintenance, our safety, or our um, student spaces. So that's why we're very happy to get that done. Mm-hmm. And with uh, some of the safety and security items, there's with the recommendations that were coming in from the committee over the past year, uh, can you point out anything specific that's going to be new at any of the buildings that are a result of that committee meeting? Sure. Yeah. So uh, that part of the project has to do with replacing generators or adding generators to buildings. So if the power fails, we don't lose power. Um, Clock systems, fire alarm systems, communications systems, signs, um, uh, signage and communication updates, but also things like exterior building lighting, um, security improvements like bollards, those are those uh, like either rocks or concrete stanchions that um, surround entrance ways where students stand. And a lot of this stuff you hate to talk about because you're always talking about some terrible tragedy, but upgrades like blue light systems. And when I say blue light systems, a lot of times folks of a certain age, uh, including myself, remember uh, college campus or parking lot light systems where there would be a phone and a blue light would be by the phone and you pick it up and you get in touch with campus security or you get in touch with the mall security or something and say, I need some help over here. It's not that kind of blue light system. This is a different version where everyone is familiar with um, kind of large building, whether it's a school or otherwise, fire alarm systems where you can pull something on a wall and there's lights and sounds and it uh, tells you that there's a fire alarm and you have to vacate the building. Well, this is a blue light system and it says that there is a lockdown. And once that blue light system goes off, not only do you go into a lockdown, but you also know that you don't listen to the fire alarm anymore. Because one of the things that that our research showed, unfortunately, is that should there be an event at a school, oftentimes there's smoke or that sort of thing that happens. It sets off the fire alarm. Students then kind of are programmed as our staff to exit the building, and that's where they run into someone who wishes to do them harm. So the blue light system reminds people to stay in uh, in the, their location and stay locked down. 
So those kinds of systems, window film, ballistic window film will be part of all of these, and a number of other safety and security improvements that uh, we're going to be making moving forward, some of which I can talk about and others I'd rather keep more confidential. Confidential because, and you have, and part of the safety and security plan, there were items that were not released to the public because I think, like, I think an example was like floor plans to schools. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So the the balance, and this is one of the things that I talk to on a regular basis um, about with that committee, was um, that they will learn things both about. Um, safety and security systems and also about our plans and our, our footprint and our emergency response and the things that they would be recommending that we don't want people who wish to do us harm to know. So we kept those things confidential between the school board and that committee, between that committee and me, between me and the school board and with uh, building administrators and staff. So um, there are things that are also part of our safety and security committee uh, decisions and recommendations that will be part of our projects that we don't want to publicize too much so that should anyone wish us harm, they won't know about those things. Mm-hmm. There will be a public hearing on this project as well. Yeah, coming up on December 5th, we'll have our public hearing. We'll do another presentation and clarify exactly uh, what this particular project is about and where it fits into the overall scheme of things. And then eventually we will have our vote uh, in December, on December 12th. And we very much hope that people will come out and support us and we can get a 60% majority vote to move forward with our project. Oh, so you need 60% majority for this? So it's not just like a, a simple majority? Yeah, it's, um, it is connected to the small city schools debt limit issue. And on the ballot, I'm sure everyone saw that there was a, a request for uh, to change what the Constitution says about small city school districts. And it's, it's very confusing uh, in a lot of ways, but it's, it comes down really to a couple of things. Thing number one is that once upon a time, uh, even up into the 1950s, small cities in New York State were wealth centers. They were production centers. They were manufacturing centers. And they also, as a school district, had the ability to just determine what the tax rate was. It did not go out to vote. So because of that, the Constitution of New York was written that said a small city school district is limited to 5% of its total property value, where all other school districts in New York State are limited to 10% of their total property value. And in the intervening decades, what that has meant is that small city school districts, as those wealth centers and manufacturing centers have changed and moved out really into the suburbs, have made um, suburban schools wealthier than small city schools. And small city schools usually have quite a bit of infrastructure, as we do, 11 buildings and lots of buses and those sorts of things that we need to keep up. And we are limited in the amount of borrowing that we can do. So that really puts small city schools in a bind and is one of the reasons why sometimes people drive around and wonder why do those uh, central school districts have such nice buildings and fields and those sorts of things, and we don't. It's a matter of uh, our limitation on that debt. So moving that up to 10% means that we are on a level playing field with all the other school districts in the state. So those two things um, were, were important. Mm-hmm. Now you, you're talking about debt. We haven't talked about the cost of this project. We, we mentioned it's a $126 million project, but we haven't said really where the money is coming from is what, and what the impact is on taxpayers. That's right. So when I made this plan together with uh, Brittany Spry, who is our assistant superintendent for business, finance, and operations, 
When I made this plan with her, we had to make sure that we had enough money over the 10 years to make sure that our taxpayers would not be impacted by any of these projects. So what we did was we combined our state aid and state aid on building projects is um, determined by a, a, another formula, but essentially it's high poverty schools get more aid, high wealth schools get less aid, meaning high wealth schools have quite a bit of local taxpayer impact and high poverty schools have not very much local taxpayer impact. So in our case, our um, poverty levels and, and uh, property values have given us a 98% state aid ratio, meaning that if we were to spend $100, state aid would cover $98 of that $100 and we would be on the hook for $2. So what I did with uh, Ms. Spry was to make sure that we had created a capital reserve fund, and actually it was two or three funds at this point, um, that would cover each of our projects. So we slowly save money over the years to build up that capital reserve so that we can pay for our local share upfront so that we don't have any impact, no tax increase on our local taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Those capital reserve funds, were that, was that one of the ones that was voted on in this past May? There was like a $5 million one, or am I thinking it was a $10 million? No, you got it. Yeah. And, and those are a little confusing. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the, um, the, the financials of a school district can be very cloudy and confusing because every single thing has a regulation attached to it. Every dollar has a place it's only allowed to be spent. So our capital reserves are set at a certain amount. So for example, if you said to yourself in your house, we're gonna, we're gonna make a $1,000 savings account, and we don't wanna have any more than 1,000 in there, but we wanna have 1,000 in there. Well, you need a new water heater, and now it goes down to 400, and then you build it back up to 1,000, and then you're comfortable again. And you say, well, we need you know, a garbage disposal or something, and it's you know, two or 300 bucks, and then it goes down to 700, and then you build it back up to 1,000. We're not allowed to do that in a school district. You have a maximum amount, and then you can spend it down. So you can put up to that amount in, but you can't spend it down and then put more in, and spend it down and put more in. So each time we have a project, we have uh, a set amount. In this case, it was five million that you saw. And then uh, once we fill that, we have to spend that down and not use it again to store money. If we wanted to store more money for a future project, we have to create a new capital reserve fund, which is one of the things that you saw. All right, and that explains kind of how, where the money then is coming from to help carry through these different phases. Exactly, yep. yeah. Those will cover the entire local share of our anticipated projects. It has covered the local share of the project that's currently happening now. It will cover the local share of the project that we are proposing and we are planning and are in good shape on target for it to cover the third project, uh, the next project that takes us through 2031. Somehow we're talking about 2031. Right. Obviously, we need to see phase two, this uh, capital improvements project that's up for a vote in December passed, but can you give any uh, insight to what we would be expecting to see in phase three? Yeah, it, so what we end up doing, um, a lot of times, uh, the, the old story about the, uh, the uh, you're painting a bridge, right? You start at one end of the bridge and then you paint all the way across to the other side of the bridge and by the time you get to the end, you have to go back to the beginning and start painting the bridge again. There's quite a bit of that that has to happen. So by the time we are 10 years away from things that happened in the original project, we'll need to do some update and some upkeep on some of those things. But 
very similar to what we have done so far. Warm, safe, and dry. Um, continuation of work at the high school, continuation of some of these uh, projects. Additional safety and security items will likely come in. So it's a it's a, a continuation of our two previous projects that we couldn't get everything into in the first two. Mm-hmm. Timeline is, well, are we looking at, obviously you mentioned a difficulty with, you know, finding companies that can come out and bid have the time and and also the cost of materials and things are we looking at that this phase two if passed would start this summer well start is the the operative word there it definitely will start right away but what has to happen first is all of the approvals and the site surveys and um, uh, architect work and um, what's that called a seeker which is the environmental quality reviews so all of those things not to mention things like approval of each of those things at the state level the state has to approve every single phase every single step in each of those phases so um, their office has to do that work so a lot all that stuff begins immediately and that usually takes about a year before you'll see anything happen and then during that time, once things are approved, as soon as the state says your plans look good, we're ready to go, then we can go out to bid. And then we can start looking at what the bids look like. And then we can make a determination about who we're going to go with and what kind of um, add-ons we're going to have to those bids and what kinds of limitations, things like uh, inflation and other cost issues um, might have on the project. And then we make a decision and we go forward and then they ramp up and it starts. So usually it's a couple of years after uh, the vote goes through that you'll really see anything, but it starts right away on the paperwork and approval side. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been thinking about as we've been talking is uh, you know, d- different work that's happening in different buildings. And in this current phase with Fletcher, with the work happening, you have a couple classrooms that are in the old Rogers Elementary School, now the Rogers Innovation Center. Do you anticipate that other buildings may be affected in a similar way over the course of this phase two, where maybe they would have some classrooms maybe moved to another school over to Rogers or whatever the case may be? So the short answer is yes. The longer answer is we don't know when or what until we actually get into the project work. So what tends to happen is um, a contractor might present an idea and say, well, you know what, we can do this and we've got it slated for this six month period of time that'll take about that long. However, if you can figure out a way to to use what we call in in the construction process, swing space, meaning uh, if you could take two, two teachers and two classes and move them somewhere, we could work on those two classes and then you could move them back and then have two more people move out and we could work on that and that way we could get things happening sooner and do it quicker so then you have to weigh what's the disruption to kids and education and learning versus the timeline and cost savings for the for the project and then we make a determination so you also don't want to have something that's a huge disruption to kids um, even if it does save quite a lot of money because we're here for the business. What we do is for kids and learning. So we have to weigh those pretty seriously before we make those decisions. But that's when that happens at some point later when the contractor actually begins to propose the actual work. How is it going for the kids that, the Fletcher kids who are at Rogers this year? So yeah, far? it's going really well. Um, I, I over, I'm over there on a regular basis and I talk to folks and they are they are doing well. And we have Melissa Emerson over there to help supervise. Um, our BOCES program is beginning, so BOCES is over there at Rogers. They have a principal over there as well, and it's actually uh, Patrick Langworthy who uh, came from us. He, Patrick was a, a TOSA and uh, 
worked uh, for a number of years with us. So he's doing a great job over there as principal. And they are slowly ramping up their uh, presence over at Rogers and eventually will fill the first floor. But for now, we're sharing the space and things are going really well. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about with this project? Well, I think that it's going back to that 30,000 foot view. The idea that this is a 10-year, part of a 10-year process and that we are continually working to maintain, engage in upkeep, repair, and also future-proof um, both our student spaces and our physical plant. So uh, while we can save loads and loads of money and just not fix things, eventually that all falls apart and we're in a huge mess. So we've got to move um, progressively through both uh, periodic maintenance and periodic replacement of things that just end of life run out. So we need to address those things while also taking care of our um, educational and learning goals for our kids. Okay. Well, voting will take place from noon to 9 p.m. on Tuesday, December 12th at Washington and Jefferson Middle Schools, as well as Lincoln Elementary School. For more information, visit jpsny.org slash capital project. Dr. Whitaker, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Julia. I appreciate you having me in.